We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show as we head into hour two six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is the number. I just want to hear from you all today. I want to hear you what your thoughts are right now about the culture and the state of the conservative movement. This is the question, as I said last hour, I am getting asked most uh, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, people I meet. How stands the conservative movement? Love to hear from all of you on all of that or anything else on your mind. Happy to do it, too. Uh, Just uh, for the purposes of news update, the Supreme Court, it looks like in a uh, en banc or or unanimous uh, decision or at least decision without dissent, denied the Pennsylvania case's uh, appeal or certiorari to the Supreme Court, which was the case that uh, was spoken about over the last two days as the one that if it went, Ted Cruz would argue on behalf of the campaign. So that case is not going to the Supreme Court. On the other hand, Texas, the state of Texas, filed an interesting case, one I didn't see coming, and or most, and it's um, it's 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 unique. It's uniquely creative, suing several other states. So it's Texas v. Michigan, Wisconsin, and other states. It's Texas v. Other states versus other states. For two reasons. One, that gives it original jurisdiction in the Supreme Court. When one state sues another, that's where it goes straight to the Supreme Court. A, B, kind of a novel and interesting claim. Why does Texas have a right to sue Michigan over the way they counted ballots? The claim is interesting. It's, in effect, an equal protection claim that says because those other states violated laws, changed their laws. It weakens and vitiates the vote that citizens of Texas made when the state of Texas did not change its laws in a federal election. Interesting. No? Interesting. Novel. All right. We were talking to Rob and surprised it was warming up. And uh, welcome back, Rob. Thanks for waiting. Well, thank you, sir. And, and it reminded me before the hour, you know, we really do need to go out for dinner because you guys obviously have the most intelligent conversations. Of well, let's not days. overstate it. OK, it's OK. Let's no, not. Oh, it was not. two guys at a restaurant and one other guy who interrupted to say, you, you know, let's not. As someone yeah. once said, um, and we were guilty of this, no great story ever began. Two guys were having a salad. No, that's true. But that's and, what uh, it was. It, Two guys were having, yeah. well, maybe not a salad, but. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, who, who knows? And who cares? We don't care what they eat. Um, boy, where do I begin? I know that Larry took away my thunder about um, uh, a couple of birth dates and uh, the Frank Sinatra Jr. kidnapping and uh, any, all that stuff. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Chuck Yeager. He passed away yesterday at age 97. He was the first guy that broke the sound barrier. He was probably the 
uh, idol model for all aviators that came since then. He was the you know, like the original test pilot, and a lot of people don't realize he had had 13 kills in uh, World War II mm-hmm. in a P-51 Mustang, mm-hmm. including one against the ME-262 jet, mm. you know, the first jet the Nazis flew. Um, and I was thinking uh, not only about Chuck and, and rest in peace, I mean, he was just a, a great patriot and an idol for almost everybody that sat in the cockpit. But I also thought about President Trump and, uh, and Hyman Rickover, the father of the nuclear subs, because... Um, they all kind of fit into a certain category. They were all uh, encountering a lot of resistance. They were all pioneers. They were all very uncompromising. Um, they all obviously had the right stuff. In fact, Chuck was in that movie, The Right Stuff, as an old guy wanting to give whiskey to some of the actors there during some of the scenes in, uh, <laughs> in the bar. But um, I think... Tom Wolf said, Tom Wolf, who created that phrase, the right stuff, and so many others said he was the most righteous of all the possessors of the right stuff. And and that was that was kind of the key with, um, you know, the whole book, the right stuff was that, yeah, it was Jaeger. He Mm -hmm. was at the top of the pyramid. Um, I think, you know, they all obviously put America first. They were all patriots. They all paid a certain price. And again, both uh, Rick over and Trump, I think you can probably put in the same category. They held others accountable, but ultimately, I think they held themselves accountable. And I think a lot of people, especially maybe in the age of uh, President Trump, I don't think they understand that. That, and again, that's why he has had so much resistance in Washington. Uh, that you know nobody's really accountable anymore. But um, that's kind of where I was going with Yeager, Rickover, and Trump. One thing that's kind of interesting: um, there was a journalist with Chuck Yeager. Um, who came in to him one day and he said, you know, I'm here to interview. And uh, Chuck Yeager said, well, about what? And the journalist said, well, I don't know. I heard you were famous. Chuck Yeager goes, well, famous for what? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of how things went. And I thought that was pretty funny because that shows the state of general ignorance in the journalism community. Um, Enough about that. I I wanted to talk a little bit about the culture and the state of conservatism, if there's time. Yeah. Um, my my uh, my inputs, I guess, is and Larry, the previous caller, was right about uh, you know two sets of laws. Uh, what's good for thee, but not for me. Um, I think there's a general disillusionment on the part of thinking Americans who look at both the uh, people that are getting away with clear crimes and. Again, we can talk about bad music, which I'm sure that we agree on. Um, I think it's also important to understand the definitions, such as, you know, culture, what does that really mean? Um, And the state of conservatism, what does conservatism really mean? Because I think both sides in both the culture war and the conservative liberal war may not agree with what the definitions are. And I think... You know, that's one thing for our end. To, to we, we talk about conservatism in the sense of, you know, sticking with the founders, sticking with the Constitution, sticking with what the Constitution says the federal government should do, and everything else is left to the state. And we also think that um, we have values that help our founding and country flourish that no longer seem to exist anymore that I would include into that definition of conservatism. 
I think the liberals and the left and the Democrats look at conservatism in the opposite way, obviously opposite to whatever it is they believe in, if anything. Um, and and I think, again, it's important on uh, everybody's uh, belief in defining what, well, both culture and what conservative really means and what other people who uh, are out there think it means. Because I think that's one of the great disconnects we have in communicating. Obviously, the left doesn't want to communicate with any of us, um, which is really tragic because we're the ones doing all the outreach and they're the ones doing all the pushing away, Yeah, which tells me a lot about them. I don't know. How do you define conservatism? Well, I I believe it's the – well, and this is a different kind of definition from what conservatism used to be, I think, back in the Bill Buckley early 50s days. I really think it's just grounding everything that America stands for on the founding, on the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution, and holding all of that, as well as holding on to basic uh, human and American values of freedom, liberty, and the rights of the individual uh, over the perceived rights of what people want from government Mm -hmm. um i think that you know where and i've talked about this before i think that you know democrats want to empower government uh uh, republicans want to empower the individual i think ultimately conservatism means empowering the individual to choose what is best for themselves Mm -hmm. and uh, that is one of the ultimate forms of freedom Mm -hmm. in america that we may lose uh you know again i I got something in in my email that uh, somebody wrote to me. Imagine being so dumb that you think the guy in office for four years is the problem and the guy in office for 47 years is the solution. Right. That's nice. (laughs) I think that's very succinct and to the point. I I think that's really good. I I mean, I think that's fantastic. And, you know... um, let me say something about that when we come back. I'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. These kinds of moments, political and historical, uh, tend to be uh, moments of reflection um, and self-reflection, movement and party moments of reflection and self-reflection. I don't want to overdo it, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to uh, presume anything. Um but Rob put his finger on something when when I asked how stands the conservative movement, which is what I'm asking all of you, which is do we need to – he asks, do we first need to define what it means to be a conservative? And this is a project we've embarked on. It's been a long time since we have in reviewing the various scholars of the movement um, – And it's interesting that maybe 
the most important man in the conservative movement or the modern conservative movement, William Buckley, William Buckley never wrote a book on conservatism. He never wrote a book attempting to define it. He said different things over the years about it. Um, he said, I can't in one sentence tell you what Christianity is, but that doesn't mean it's not definable. He said um, that conservatism was dependent on human freedom, not as an end, but as a means to live life an obedient man, obedient to God, subservient to the wisdom of our ancestors, and never to the authority of political truths arrived at yesterday at the voting booth. I think that's pretty that's that's pretty important to keep in mind too, an appreciation of wisdom and not what eighteen year olds decided for us last November or the November before that or next November. Um I remember uh in his uh, famous debate in Cambridge, his point was, while it's important to expand the ability of peoples to vote, sometimes in some places the problem is that too many people do vote. And he wasn't talking about fraud. He was talking about the problem we have in an open society such as ours, where the wisest, and maybe this is to the merit of our society, but it also is to the demerit where the wisest of our society have the same exact input and say every um first t- every november every uh you know first t- tuesday every election november year as the most or the least educated uh the most sober thinking is put on par with the most conspiratorial thinking at those voting booths uh, that is the problem we wrestle with Um, When we realize that we live in a constitutional republic where we all get our say, all of us, we don't live by who's the most wise or who's the most wealthy or who's the most X, Y or Z. The definition I've always liked as a beginning definition of what conservatism is, and it's not unique, it's I didn't originate it, I just always liked it, is an economics of liberty with a sociology of virtue. And economics of liberty with a sociology of virtue, because both are dependent on the other. You can't have economics absent trust, truth, honor, virtue, the martial virtues. And you can't have a sociology of virtue if you're willing to do so at the cost of all liberty. So it's always going to be in a certain sort of tension. But there are certain things I think Buckley was speaking to when he spoke of the wisdom of our ancestors. And I think that's what we are so very, very far from that many of you who have called in today have spoken to. The equal protection of the laws. Does it not start there? It does, whether you get it out of the 14th Amendment or whether you get it from the Declaration of Independence There seems to be this view in America that everything I just said about, you know, the smartest and the least and the least wise, the wealthiest and the least wealthy having the same having the same input turns out we don't think to be so true these days and maybe not in a while. There is nothing more maddening 
than to see character X and character Y do the same thing, but only one of them be prosecuted. There's no justice or sense of justice or fair play or equality when or due process when you see if you are a Democrat, you will skate free and twist the levers of power for political purposes any way you want. And the word corruption will never pass anyone's lips. But if you are a Republican or a conservative, you will have 15 FBI agents storming your house at four in the morning with a tip off to CNN to cover it. Uh, This kind of thing drives us mad. And I've always said, and I think I still would say, if there's one thing, regardless of party, regardless of ideology, regardless of any other underlying thought or condition of the human psyche or soul in America, the one thing that has that binds us all, that we all really do have in common or share in common, is the belief in fairness. Fairness. That belief, I think, has been shattered. And I think it's been shattered because we have seen one party or one side of the ideological spectrum defer to more important things than fairness in their mind. More important things in their mind than fairness. Fairness is not an end for them any more than it is a means for them ideological right and power is the end for them and any means to get there will justify that's why so many people are so suspicious of these election results they know what the democrats have done and said for the last four and a half years they know that there has been no greater contested election in the history of our republic than the election of donald trump in 2016 they know what the Democrats tried to do to good and decent people in the name of ideology. For example, Brett Kavanaugh could name others, Mike Flynn. They know that the Democrats will trump up charges only to do an entire 180 for the purposes of impeachment. They know that the Democrats will call the president a racist when they know he isn't. They know that the Democrats will call him a fascist when they know he isn't. They know that they will lie about a Russian dossier that they know is false just to remove him from power, just to have the ideological win. They broke fairness, which is what makes our belief in it so much the more frayed. That's the problem we have right now. I'll take your calls when we come back. 
If you are thinking about selling uh, your house or buying one, call my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. You won't leave any money on the table and you won't overpay for what you want if you are in the buying market. James Wexler of JMG Real Estate on the selling side guarantees to sell your home at market value or pay the difference. And he can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer within 24 hours. Sells more homes over $500,000 than any other agent in Phoenix and Scottsdale. He's a good one. Call James Wexler at 480 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's James Wexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. Let me go to Dave real quick. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking the call, teacher. You bet. How are you? Uh, very, very distraught. I need to apologize. I was completely wrong yesterday when I spoke to you. Oh, what were you wrong about? Uh, there is no path for Trump to win because SCOTUS just refused to hear the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision where they arbitrarily took the uh, role of legislative branch and allowed ballots to be cast and counted after with a three-day extension on the vote with no signature authorization or comparison. There's one more case that Texas filed. Do you see that? That that may go to the Supreme Court. May or may not go to the Supreme Court. The challenge I have is I, I believe if they rule as they should, precedent has been set. So they've, they've deferred to state courts and they've deferred to state legislatures to basically change our federal election laws. Um. The problem we come at this with is that the Constitution grants the states most of the decision-making processes to determine how they want to run their elections. That's problem one. Congress can enact laws, and I uh, think one of the things we now need to do is enact some serious legislation uh, with regard to voter ID and other things, I think state legislatures, which a majority of Republicans possess, own, have, need to get rid of the unrequested mail-in ballot. One of the things that I think Donald Trump might have now, in hindsight, thought was a better idea than um, than it was received as was you know, withholding funds from states that engaged in this sort of thing. He threatened that as far back as May. He didn't follow through on it. If he had followed through, we might be looking at different outcomes. So there's a lot that conspired to the point where we are right now, Dave, some legit, some less. But the question is, what are we going to do going forward? And I think we have to get rid of the unrequested, the unsolicited mail-in ballot. I think we have to have voter ID as a start, as just a start. I'm still just shocked that our party continues to play by the rules, and they know that going in. So when the DNC breaks them, they know there's no consequence. Well, and what all the three-letter agencies are on their side? Yeah. Well, what rule would we break that would be justified right now? That's the hard question, isn't it? Well, I, I think that um, there's there's instance, there's instances in Pennsylvania where they sent out, what, 1.5 million absentee ballots and 2.5 million came back? I, I'll take your word for it. I don't know. I know a lot of allegations have been made. I know that the courts just haven't bought in those. I just know the courts haven't bought in those bought those arguments. Well, it, I mean, it's, it's a 
it's a clear data-driven question. If there were more absentee or unsolicited, do you know what is that a fact? Did that actually it is. happen? It is. But, yeah. That actually happened. First, okay. It is. The numbers might be wrong. It might be 1.8 were issued and 2.2 came back, but it's something like that. I, and I'm close to Pennsylvania because that's originally where I'm from. So um, I follow all that. But, again, I, I'm shocked that the judicial branch took over the power of the state legislature in the Commonwealth of PA, and it doesn't seem like the Supreme Court has any issues with that, that they're deferring to a lower court on that issue. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, I don't want to suggest it online, but I think there's a time for the Liberty Tree to be nourished okay i i can't see another solution at this point i can i can stop it in the senate win back the house and make sure this never happens again and no blood will be spilt it's what we do it's who we are and i think if the concept of of uh, anything short of that to ape what Antifa does is in the offing to the extent of that it's the extent and degree to which we no longer can call ourselves conservatives Welcome back to the Seth Leadson Show, 602-508-0960 for improved health, energy, boosted immunity. Take what I take, balance of nature. I take it every single day, and one daily dose gives me 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Just one daily dose. They have a great deal where they're offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800 51 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Doug's in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. How the heck are you, Seth? I'm doing really well. How are you? I always do good. You can take an ordinary day, and when I get to listen to Seth in the afternoon, it becomes quite extraordinary. Aren't you kind? So, That's very sweet of you. Thank you. Well, you know, but before I get going into conservatism and uh, what it means and everything else, I'd like to preface my thought pattern with this and listening to your great show, I started thinking that basically conservatism really, in my mind, stands like a a bulkhead or a wall between the economic and social anarchy of the libertarians and between the economic and social tyranny of the left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We stand there against both forms of tyranny. And if you read the Founding Fathers, which I know you have, basically they didn't view um, our constitutional republic in our form of liberty as, um, how should I say, the perfect form 
what they realized, they, and they said this is the best form for the most amount of human individual liberty and economic justice and freedom and prosperity. Mm-hmm. They looked at it as the best form between those two tyrannies because both total liberty is a form of tyranny and callousness and economic and social control by a heartless and ruthless uh, state is that is the other end of that same tyranny and callousness and they viewed individual rights and liberty as written down as the best balance to give the best benefit for the most amount of people. Yeah, I think there's something a lot to that. I, the problem comes to us kind of twofold with all of it, which is in a society, a republic, where we depend on our fellow citizens um, to select you know, wise rulers, just rulers, um, uh, benevolent rulers, uh, governors, presidents, senators, representatives, we have to um, – we do that, but we aren't so sure that all of them – and we don't know how to guarantee that they will all operate in the name of the public good. In oh, other, totally. Right? Totally. I mean this, this is our tension totally. here. Um, well, we, we talk of the consent of the governed. Do we mean it, first of all? And second of all, what remedies are there – when the leaders we elect in the name of consent with each other, in, which is you know founded on the notion of all men being equal, all of us equal to one another, we each have a chance to to, to say what we want our government to do. What is what is the remedy when they don't act in the name of the public good? Right. Um, well, I don't think violence needs. We are the solution is actually far more powerful and straightforward than we might think in our frustration. I think it's really straightforward. I think it's extremely straightforward, and I think the founders told us what it was, and that's another election. There you go. I mean, the the definition, we we used to say the definition of democracy is not one vote, one time. It's not one vote, one time. It's a bifurcated system where members of the House uh, are up every two years, Senate six, those themselves are scattered, one-third, 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 President four, uh, with, uh, with uh, provision, provisions for impeachment. I mean, there's, all, there's a whole honeycombed network of how we do right. this without resorting to violence. Oh, and totally. while Jefferson yeah. may very well have been spouting out from France, by the way, when he was— keep in mind he was spouting out against George Washington. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going right. to follow? Um, right. So you know, it's it's well, it's not only it, it's it's not only a last resort. It's a resort resort so far removed from uh, possible success that that I can only imagine what it would take to even get you know uh, enough of uh, enough of a um, enough of a collected viewpoint um, that would back it. You know, well, how do you even begin that? And because if you do have enough of a viewpoint, enough of a public support to back it, then in the name of Pete, just do an election. Right. But I think this is the perfect point at which we bring in Trumpism. What is Trumpism? Because I have I'm old enough to have seen many elections. And if we continue to repeat our folly, 
by electing another Republican establishment. See, I look at the Republican establishment as, well, let, let me back up. I am a conservative based on principles, and we conservatives, most of us, fight for a principle. But the key word is to be, believe, like, in my own personal life, I fight for these principles. We have taken a position, the establishment and most of the Republicans, that most, I say, that they will not fight for the principles of conservatism, Trumpism, we can get into the exact policies, which is an easy thing to get into, but it is the it is the doctrine of dogged fighting. If you state any principle, any principle, you doggedly fight for it. They hammer you, the establishment backs up and goes, oh, that was nasty, let's apologize and back up. Trumpism, they take the hit and they stand up and they advance. Yeah. Now, that if you want to see a revolution that echoes like an atomic bomb politically, no not violence need be uh, applied. Correct. Vote for those that are Trumpism. You have four. If you had two hundred people that fought like the new crop that we're getting in in the House, the top, the, to the Cruises and those, those are the, the Jim Jordans. You get their numbers doubled by facts. So I don't give money to the Republicans. I was very proud that I gave money to an upstart fighting against an establishment. His name is Ted Cruz. That's where I give my money. I give it to fighters because the difference between a liberal Democrat and an establishment Republican who won't fight but apologize is virtually none. I'm with you on that. The left will always win. I'm with you on that. And if you state... Um, if you stay on course, it's interesting what you can attract. You know, yeah. Cruz and Trump were, were fairly bitter political enemies. Yes. Give it a couple of years and you've got them volunteering to argue your case in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because the, the personal differences pale into the monumental core uh, principles that they agree upon. Absolutely. And that I think Ted began to really look at this and said, this guy is fighting for what I believe. Of course. And I'm standing by it. Of side. course. Of course. If you believe yeah. in the principle over the personality, which is what we should always be doing, then I don't care what your first or last name is or where you, you know, or who you are. You know, I, I don't, I, you know, if it's, I, I, I think, I think, I think the problem is and let's come back to this on the other side is that there's very little that couldn't have been corrected with more trumpism not less Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Your show, How Stands the Conservative Movement Right Now? Charles is in Phoenix. Hello, Charles. How are you, sir? Hi, Seth. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm a little frustrated. We're I, I all a little just, frustrated. <laughs> I, I we have a constitutional and... right to be frustrated right now. I thought I I ought to call in. You know, Mark Levin said the other night that um, he said that we keep 
looking to do something next time. And he says, there may not be a next time. I, I get frustrated by the fact that this election is apparently being allowed to stand. We have a mediocre bunch of people who clearly to everybody in the world cheated, and we're trying our best in every way possible to protect them from getting overturned, allowing them to move on. And I think that if we don't stop this election, I agree with you about voting is winning and and winning vic, you know winning votes winning elections is the best medicine but we may not make it to that point if we don't do something about this election now because we are rewarding the wrong people and everybody knows it and i think trump's right when he says the world is watching and uh you know it's like we start out in a deficit Every time, Always. and every time the Democrats get away with something, it's one more notch on their belt that makes it harder for us. And I just think that there comes a time where we uh, that we need the Trumpism of keep fighting, as you said. Yeah, because uh, that's fine. But it, uh, so what we have to do is define our terms a little with each other. Um, and among each other, which is what does that fighting mean? What does it look like? What constitutes that fight? How you know? I, I have my idea of it. What's your idea of it? Well, I think my idea is what your previous caller said that we have to support the people that are willing to fight. Right. I don't want to hear anything from Cindy McCain, Mitt Romney, John Kasich. Those people are meaningless, and I'll say that right up front. We need the Ted Cruz, the Jim Jordan, the 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 Gates, the uh, Stefanik, uh, Candace Owens. Hold this thought. Uh, Hold it, Charles. This is the most important of all thoughts, and 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 I think you and I are in almost, if if not perfect alignment, near perfect alignment. Can you hold this and wait with me because we're getting into the hard break here? Because yeah. I think you've put your finger exactly on the remedy for that which ails us. And I'm welcome, uh, welcoming other calls on this, too. But you've, as always, been very incisive. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.